listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. You saw it in the the, uh, description of the broadcast. I'm going to deal with this thought tonight. Um, Goodbye to those who have lost the fire. I think I I commented something like that. Goodbye to those that have lost the fire. Um, I was talking to my cousin today, and um, one of the things that we both agreed with is it's shocking and it's sad how few people in the body of Christ, including ministers and especially ministers, have, there's my beautiful cousin, Brooke Mullins, love you, have such a lack of fire in their belly to speak, to preach, to say anything. It's like it blows my mind how few people have an actual fire in their belly. And it goes doubly for ministers because if you're a minister of the gospel, you should have an urgency to say what God called you to say. You should have a fire in your belly to say what God called you to say. And I'm telling you, one of the things I can't stand, I well, Kayla Florence says on YouTube, on Facebook, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the comment. Kayla said, so many churches are still shut down. I don't see them ever coming back, nor should they. I can't disagree with that. I can't disagree with that at all because it blows my mind when, and I said this last night too, blows my mind that pastors who they, they weren't, they didn't feel any leading from the Holy Spirit to go online only before COVID. But when the government told them they had to, they did it. But now that the government's saying they can gather again, there's so, there's pastors saying we're not coming back together till I feel it in my spirit. That's a problem because you didn't feel to do that. So it's, it's not a leading from the Lord or you'd have done it before COVID hit. It's not a leading from the Lord. So I don't know what it is, but pastors need to get a fire in their belly. And I'm talking about people that have their faith pastors, people that know the Pentecostal message and walk by faith. They need to get a fire in their belly. And so do believers need to understand if you thought all of this was about a virus, or if you thought all of this was about racial issue, you don't even understand a, a, a small portion of what's going on. You don't understand it. There is an antichrist agenda at work in the world today. And, um, I want, I want you to understand something tonight. There's a lack of fire in the belly of people. I, I mean, like I, I have people, and I'm, I'm just going to be very, and this is, has nothing to do with me talking about me. I just want to give you an example. I have people call me and they're like, you're going live. You go live every day on, on, uh, I was like, yes, like you go live sometimes twice a day. Yes. Sometimes twice. I was talking to my cousin today. And I said, you know, some being t- home during this time, and probably some of it has to do with, you know, when you preach a meeting and you minister to people, you know, you actually lay hands on people and, and release virtue. You even feel it more in your physical body, like Jesus did. Virtue flows out of you. Um, you can feel the tiredness hit your physical body. I was talking to my cousin today. I said, man, you can go live twice a day. And still almost feel like you're not doing enough. 
for the kingdom. It's not because I feel driven or anything like that. It's just like, man, it's, it's not anything for me to get on twice a day and teach. But it blows my mind that there are ministers who just like went missing for 90 days. Where did you go? You don't have, if you're a pastor, you I mean, you have a church, but like, I mean, ministers that went missing, nothing online, didn't have anything to preach, didn't have, I can't imagine. I'm just saying this from the perspective of somebody who's, who's been, and not because I feel like I've got to preach all the time. I've been preaching for over 20 years now and then full-time for what, 19 years. So it's not like I have this great, I have to preach. I need a platform to preach. I've preached and preached and preached. So it's not like I need somewhere to preach, but it's like I couldn't sit home for 90 days full of the Holy Ghost, called as a preacher with a fire in my belly and sit on the couch and binge watch Netflix and just sit around. I've, As a minister, I have to preach the word that God's put in my spirit. I can't imagine people, ministers that literally went missing for three months. How do you go missing how do you have so little fire in your belly? How do you have so little fire in your belly that you don't even get on, you don't give it on, get on a week, you don't even get on a couple of days and minister to people? Like, where is your fire for the word of God? Where is your fire for the things of God? Where's your hunger for the lost? Where's your compassion for the dying? And I'm telling you, I prophesied this. Now, maybe I should pull it up. I mean, I prophesied this back in the fall of last year that something was getting ready to happen in 2020 and it would cause those that the anointing was not on and the things that the anointing was not in, they would be pulled down and brought to nothing. And then that which the anointing of God is in and that which that which the anointing of God was uh where it was being honored would be lifted up. I prophesied that in November of last year and it's happening now. Yeah, could be Robert said, maybe some of them weren't that busy before COVID. It could be true, but it's like, how do you not have anything in your spirit? How do you have no fire for what's going on in the world? How do you have no fire for the people God's called you to? And then you got guys, they just stand up. And it's like, you listen to people speak and it's like, did you download this or, you know, where did you get this from? Why do you have zero passion behind anything you're saying? You know, why is it, you know, and, and people, and by the way, I'm not talking about manufactured passion, but it's like, if you've got a word from God, you should be passionate about it and stand for it. You know, people get all bent out of shape. You got these dead guys that sit in their pulpits and teach something that they're not even excited about. Have no, They sit there and teach it like it's a Bible study lesson and read through their sermon and walk around. And, and the Lord says that there's, and, and there's going to be a move. In it. It's like, you've got no life in you. And then they get upset when somebody you know, goes and you've got guys that are not even really serving the Lord. You know, you had the whole uh, meeting that went on in Lakeland, Florida and I'll, uh, and uh, with, with Todd Bentley, which I can say because it came out publicly on the news, you know, who had prostitutes was doing drugs 
and was having, but you go in, what were people drawn to? Well, people that didn't have any discernment in their spirit. I didn't have to go down there to the meeting to know it wasn't right. I literally was able to just catch a clip online, be like something's up with that dude. But you know, you go down and why did people flock to those meetings? Because at least the man had a passion for what he was preaching and what he was saying. People are drawn to passion and vision. Jesus, as I'm going to read you from the Bible, was not just a man of vision. He was a man of passion, a man of passion. And people were willing to lay down their businesses, lay down everything and follow him for three and a half years, put everything behind, put their families behind, put their business behind, put everything else because of the passion, the vision, the anointing that was on that man. He wasn't going around, and the Bible says, and the prophet Isaiah spoke and said. No, he had such passion. I mean, when he flipped the tables in the temple and, and braided a whip and beat the money changers and the animals out of the temple, it brought the disciples' minds back to the verse in the Old Testament that said, zeal for thy house will consume me. Zeal for thy, they said, that's, that was about Jesus. That was a messianic prophecy about Jesus. Zeal for thy house will consume me and walked in that zeal, walked in that fire, walked in that power. If you don't have that, you need to get it. If you're not on fire, you need to catch on fire. If you're walking around like the walking dead in the body of Christ, walking around with no anointing, no fire, no passion, you better get some somewhere. You better get some impartation. You better get a word. You better get an encounter with the Holy Ghost and catch yourself on fire because it's too short of a life to walk around like a zombie while people are going to hell and you're sticking to your little dead dry religion that has no power. Nothing's changing. You better catch a fire. If you're not on fire, you better catch on fire. And we're going to say bye-bye to those that don't have a fire in their belly. That stuff's going to drop off in the last days. I'll promise you that. They have a form of godliness and deny the power of God. They're going bye-bye. We're not going to see it. It's dropping off the map. Churches will shut down. Ministries will shut down. Because listen to me. Hear what I'm saying tonight. Hear what I'm saying. Anybody can call themselves a Christian. Anybody can call themselves a church. In fact, if you went on, you could watch... Um, What's that dude's name that's on HBO that does the uh, like the fake news show? Uh, I believe he, he's the English guy. Somebody throw me his name in the comments section. English accent, has glasses, dark hair, does a fake news show on HBO. Somebody throw me his name. He proved on his show how easy it is for somebody to, to organize and start a church legally. You know, basically fill out some paperwork online, have a place that you meet, have something that you believe, have some, bi John Oliver, have some, have some bylaws drawn up and you can have a church and they recognize you as a church. He proved it, did it on his show. He did it to mock, he did it to mock churches. But let me tell you, it's still happening. There's people that have no vision. God didn't call them to preach. They don't have a vision. They don't have a word from the Lord. They've basically just set up shop and are, are, are little money-making businesses. Little money-making businesses, got no anointing, no converts, no miracles, no healings, no baptisms in the Holy Ghost, nothing, nothing. That's why the average church in America has 60 people in it, if you look at the statistics. It's, and here's the thing, if you don't do what the Bible tells you to do as a church and as the body of Christ, you will fall off. 
God's not going to honor rebellion. God won't honor rebellion. And the Bible tells us that we are commanded to make converts. We're commanded to. We're commanded to. And so if people aren't being saved, if people aren't being added to the church, something is wrong. Something's wrong. No, it's John Oliver. They got it right. Something's wrong. Well, the church church is dead. Let me tell you, it's shaking right now. Something is shaking right now. That's right, Robert. Rob's with me. I went to Bible school with Rob Conover. Jesus has the winnowing fork. That's exactly right. Some churches won't make it because there is a separation. There's going to be a separation that goes on between those who are willing to do, even amidst persecution, willing to do what the Bible says to do and those that aren't willing. And those that aren't willing, let me tell you something. If, if the, unless the Lord builds the house, they, label, they labor in vain that build it. That's Psalm 127 and verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. And if the fire of God is not there, if there's not a passion and an anointing to do what the Bible says to do, they're going to drop off the map and it'll be like no one ever knew their name and like they never existed. I remember hearing Dr. Uh, Pastor Enoch Adeboye, who runs the Redeemed Christian Church of God. He was walking his um, uh, compound in Nigeria and he was praying in the middle of the night. And the Lord said, I want you to draw a stick figure in the dirt. And so he drew the stick figure in the dirt. And you talk about, uh, 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 this is this is a massive ministry. You know, the Redeemed Christian Church of God is not small. Churches in 160 nations of the world, you know, when they have their meeting in December, you know, there's two to four million people in the building. Massive ministry. God said, draw a stick figure in the sand. And he drew it. And the, and the Lord said, now take your foot and wipe it away. And he wiped it away. And the Lord said, that's exactly what will happen. If you ever forget who the leader of this ministry is, if you ever forget who's in charge, I will wipe you from the face of the earth and no one will even remember your name. And there's tons of churches and there's tons of ministries and there's tons of Christians that have forgot who the head of the body of Christ is and forgot what the commandments of the word of God are. And they've gotten involved in things that God never called them to be involved with and that they will, they will drop off. Not that we want them to, but if you go in a way of, if you refuse, let me tell you what I mean. Cause some of you think I'm talking out the side of my, of my head. If you go to Canada the largest Pentecostal denomination in Canada had such small numbers being reported nationwide to their headquarters of conversions, water baptisms, baptisms in the Holy Spirit, that they had to start sending elders from the headquarters out to the local churches to see if they were even practicing Pentecostal disciplines in the churches. Are you still preaching the gospel? Are you still giving altar calls? Are you still baptizing in water? Are you still praying in the Holy? I mean, literally had to check up on them and do an investigation. People should do that in this nation. People should do that in this nation, that they, they, they should figure it out. Because when you look and see that the average church in America has 60 people in it, it used to be 80. I mean, just keep, why? Be, it's, it's because there are churches that have stopped doing what the Bible says we're to do and started specializing in crap that doesn't matter. 
Seven steps to have better work relationships. Come for the next seven weeks as we do seven steps to, to better work relationships. Bring your family, bring your friends. It's only a one-hour service. Come in and out. We'll have a great, we have some great donuts and coffee in the lobby. And we have a great interesting message that'll really open your eyes to have better work relationships. This is the kind of stupid crap that's going on in churches all across the nation. I mean, literally, the day that I have to watch a movie and do an at-the-movies series to have something to preach and teach on will be a cold freaking day in hell that you have to put up a Let's watch The Matrix and see what kind of redemptive uh, parallels that we can pull from The Matrix. Is it, Don't you see, guys, how when Neo took the red pill instead of the blue pill, the red pill, it's like it represents the blood of Jesus and his eyes were opened and he saw all of the slavery and the people being used by the machines, which represents the sin nature, and see how he represents the Redeemer who goes in and unplugs them from it. It's like it'll be a cold day in hell before I have to go out and find some secular movie by two brothers that used to be men that now call themselves women and play it in my church so that I have something to preach on so that people will actually come to the services. You know why they're not coming to the services? Because you don't have any power or anointing in your church. And it wouldn't matter if they came or not because nothing's changing anyway. When someone can come to your church and sit there for two straight years living in sin and never feel the conviction to change. It's not a church, my friend. It's a social club and it might as well be gone. You might as well close the doors, board them up and literally shut the whole thing down or turn it over to a ministry that's actually doing something that's changing lives. It would be a cold day in hell before that would have to happen in a church that I had because it blows my mind. I mean, I was talking to somebody today. I saw something online. Pastors now have to preach too much. I mean, like this, this is honestly something. So now they're selling us resources because our pastors have to preach too much. This is, this is what's being said. You know, this is what they said on the website. Did you know that the average pastor has to preach 48 times a year? 48 times a year. I read that thinking it was a joke. 48 times a year. Uh, There's months I'll go, I'll preach 48 times in a month. And pastors are wearing themselves out, having to come up with 48 unique individual messages to preach to their people. And now we're offering you preacherscan'tpreach.com. And now when you, it's like, really, if 48 messages a year is hindering you as a preacher, you better go find another profession because you don't have any substance in your spirit to do anything for the Lord if your ministry is falling apart because you have to preach 48 times a year. I mean, like, how how much do you have to prepare for a message? I mean, literally, as a preacher, I've heard pastors that'll say this like it's like like it's a mark of honor. I spend about 50 hours or so preparing each message. That freaking thing better be a masterpiece. If you spend 50 hours, what in the world were you doing with your time for 50 hours? What were you doing for 50 hours to prepare a message? I spend about 50 hours preparing each message that I preach. That thing better be in 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 a in a museum somewhere when you're done because it must be a masterwork of art. 
if it took 50 hours to come up with it. I've come up with mess, not that I'm the greatest preacher in the world, but you know how much time I've spent on some messages from the time the pastor put the mic in my hand to the time it took to walk to the platform pulpit. (laughs) It took me about 13 seconds and I had a message that I preached for two hours straight. Didn't need 50 hours to prepare for it. Have some fire in your belly and have something to say to the people of God. Why is it taking people 50 hours to prepare a message to preach? I didn't come in here tonight and sit in my room. My, well, what, what am I going to say to the people tonight? I got to go live at 9 o'clock and I, I better have something. Oh, my goodness, what's going on? I better, oh, I, I, where's my books? Where's my commentary? I, 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 I mean, please. Have something in your spirit to preach if you're a preacher. Preach if you're a preacher. Teach if you're a teacher. Minister to the people. What are we doing? And then you guys got guys that are, now let me take you into the Greek. And I'm all, I'm all for the Hebrew and the Greek. I'm all for great uh, knowledge. I'm all for great teaching. But like I also would like some anointing on top of all that. Because as Paul said, remember what Paul said to the Corinthian church. I did not come to you with the enticing words of men's wisdom, but in the power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost, so that your wisdom, so that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And I told you this, that Paul, when he went to Athens to talk to the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers, it was the worst meeting of his entire ministry. Almost nobody got saved. Almost nobody. And he went in there and flaunted his knowledge and his education and his ability to to be a philosopher like the rest of them. And nobody believed. You know why? You can't debate somebody into the kingdom of God. You can't provide statistics and facts and think that they're going to change a life. That's why Paul said to the Romans, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. It's the preaching of the gospel. It's not statistics and facts and figures that bring somebody in. You cannot, you cannot convince somebody into salvation. It doesn't work that way. It's the, God has chosen the foolishness of preaching. Where's the anointing? Where's the fire? Where's the prayer that men and women of God are supposed to be engaged in that bring you into the anointing of God? Where is the anointing? Where have the prophets gone? I mean, I know some, but where are, where are others that should be standing up and speaking? Where have the evangelists gone? Most guys, I'm going to be honest with you, and I don't need to say it. I promise you that I don't need to say it to, to make myself look good or to book more meetings. But I've talked to pastors. And the average person that goes around the nation calling themselves an evangelist and, and going from church to church and preaching is not at all an evangelist. Do you know how many pastors that I've had tell me, like, wow, we're so thankful? Now, then, now this blew my mind because... I'm not, when you're an evangelist, you're not in connection week after week with what's, what's happening at certain locations. So when pastors tell me this, sometimes it it freaks me out. And I've had multiple pastors say, man, brother Ted, thank God. I'm so thankful you gave an altar call for salvation today. Do you know, almost nobody, nobody gives altar calls anymore. I'm like, hold on. 
What? They said, yeah, we've had all kinds of guest ministries in, traveling ministries, itinerant ministers, evangelists. Nobody gives altar calls anymore. Nobody lays hands on people or calls them to the altar. I'm like, bro, you didn't have an evangelist in then. If you didn't have somebody calling people to Jesus, that wasn't an evangelist. That was a traveling speaker. I don't know what it was, but there's people. Let me tell you something. If you listen, just listen, just listen to the prayers that we're having people pray at the altar today. Andy Shaw, who's watching, knows we went to youth camp together. We grew up in Pentecost. We know what it means to come into a Pentecostal service and to know what it means to see an effective altar call given. To our kids who came from Teen Challenge in Brockton, Massachusetts and drove up to Northern Maine that were addicted to drugs, some of them just off the street, come to an altar and bow down and begin to weep and cry and give their heart to Jesus and by the end of the week speaking in tongues full of the Holy Ghost. A life change, a complete life change. You listen to some of the prayers that people are praying literally at the altar. Listen to some of the things people are saying. Repeat after me. God, I don't want to do life alone. I want a group of people that will stand around me that will help me to my purpose, my path of purpose. I want you to be with me, Lord. Gather me up in your love, God. So that's not a salvation prayer. The Bible specifically tells us what has to happen for salvation. You've got to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You've got to repent and turn from your sin. You've got to believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, and then you will be saved. God, I don't want to do life alone. How many can just feel his love? Just bask in it. Just bask in his love. You wonder, I don't know why they fell back into a life of sin. I'll tell you why. Because nobody even understands what it means to lead somebody to Jesus anymore. We've been so pushed into this mindset that we have to make everybody comfortable and everybody has to have a great time at church. If I hear one more person say, isn't church fun? Isn't it so fun to be in the presence of God? Give me a break. It should be full of freedom should be full of power, should be full of healing. And yes, it's fun to be free and it's fun. But I don't go to church because it's fun. I go to church because it's where the power of God moves among the corporate anointing of God's people, where people are saved, people are healed, people are changed, where I receive an impartation of the word into my spirit. You know why people have not been mad that churches weren't essential is because churches weren't essential. That's why people get mad about it. You know, why that, you know why more Christians in America didn't stand up and get ticked off that churches weren't named essential? Because they didn't even think church was essential. Christians, pastors didn't even think churches were essential. That's how you know people have died a slow death and that zombies are walking around. The reason pastors and uh, uh, Christians didn't get mad about it is because they didn't even consider their own church to be essential. You know how I know? I can tell you by statistical fact, because the average person that goes to church goes about once every five to six weeks. That's the statistic. Once every five to six 
weeks. That's why Easter is the highest attended Sunday statistically, and the Sunday after Easter is usually the lowest attended Sunday of the year because all the Christians that come whenever they want all come on Easter, and that was their one time for the six weeks, and almost nobody comes back the week at, the week after that. And the reason nobody was ticked off, the, no, the reason nobody was mad, nobody was protesting, is because God's own people didn't think church was essential. If you want to know the truth about it, that's why people, the majority of people, weren't mad about it. You know what was a weird thing? Is that you never really even heard much from anybody for like the first five weeks. Because this came out during the quarantine, which I thought was interesting. When the quarantine was going on, we got into like the fifth Sunday in a row where there was no church. And a statistic came out that said, it's just now that we've hit the fifth Sunday that people are feeling the fact that they can't go to church because of the fact people go once every five to six weeks. We've not, we've now come through a full cycle where the average Christian would have actually missed church. It took five weeks. Hear what I'm telling you. It took five weeks for the average Christian to miss out on their church experience because the average Christian doesn't go, but once every five or six weeks. The reason they weren't mad is because there's no fire in their belly and even they didn't consider church essential. Well, you know, we go and we can, you know, it's a beautiful day. I think we're going to go to the, we're going to go to the lake. I think we're going to go to the lake today. You know, it's beautiful out. It's really sunny. You know, some people, you can't get them out of the house for anything. It blows my mind. I just don't know. You know, it's too hot. It's really too hot to go to church today. Then you got other times, man, it's just, it's really cold out. You know, it's, it's a little too cold to be going to church today, to be honest with you. And then you got the other, man, it's perfect outside. I think it's too beautiful of a day to go to church. I think, and that's what we got going on. That's what's happening in the nation. And you got people, you can't please them. If it's nice, they won't be there. If it's cold, they won't be there. If it's rainy, they won't be there. If it's hot, they won't be there. Oh, it's hot. Pastor goes, you know, he goes a long time. It's hot in that church. They don't turn the air conditioning on. The music's too loud. Always something. It's always something. It's because they didn't consider church to be essential. I'm going to show you some things from the word of God. I want to give you a few scriptures so you don't think I'm just, you know, making stuff up. But I want you to see this. Go with me to uh, Matthew. Go with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. I want to show you something about Jesus himself. Jesus himself. Here's a man who carried the fire around the earth. He carried the fire around the earth. People were ready to leave everything behind to follow him. Successful businessmen. Willing to leave everything behind. What are you going to do? You're going to do everything to please people? I can't even imagine doing this broadcast to please people or being weirded out or offended by what people may think. Well, if I go in there and start talking like that, if I go on the broadcast and start talking like that, wow, what? People will just get really offended. They're offended anyway. So what do I care? What do I have to lose? I don't have anything to lose. I don't care. Can you imagine me coming on the broadcast? 
Hello, everybody. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. What another wonderful night in the presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Amen. Let's see what brethren and sistren we have here in the comments section. Oh, God bless you. Good to see you tonight, sister, brother. Now let's just turn our attentions in the Bible, if you would. If you have your Bible with you, we're going to look at Ezekiel chapter 46 tonight as our suggested reading for the night. Amen. How many just love his word? Amen. Hallelujah. Isn't he wonderful, y'all? I mean, you wouldn't watch the broadcast. You might only watch it to make fun of how stupid I am. I mean, I can't imagine coming on the broadcast and just always worry about if I, if I go in the broadcast and I say something wrong, I don't know. I don't know what people will think. I don't know what people will say. It's like, give me a break. Give me a break. And this is how, this is how churches go. This is how broadcasts go. This is how ministries go. Hey, I see Sister Cora there in the comments. Sister Cora, God bless you. Stephen Martin, great to have you on tonight. Hallelujah. Winona, many blessings on you tonight. Amen. It's like you wouldn't even watch the broadcast. There's people that, you know what I was noticing through the quarantine? It happened again last night. It's like, one thing you can know for sure, whether you agree with me or not, whether you stand on the line that I stand on, what I believe or not, one thing you know when you log on to this broadcast is that dude believes whatever he's saying, he really believes it 110%. You know why? I do. I do. And if I can't get that across any stronger, you should understand. Everything I'm saying to you, I believe it 100 million percent. And if you can't tell that by the way I tell it to you, something's wrong. And you know what I've noticed? I've noticed that people will log on to the broadcast and they'll say stuff like this, like people who don't even know who I am or the ministry or they've never been on the broadcast before. They'll see what the kind of passion that I'm speaking with. And even though they don't know me, maybe maybe someone shared it and I came up in their news feed and they'll jump in just to see what's going on and why people are watching. And they'll sit there and watch and they just stopped in to check and they'll end up watching for a long period of time. Happened last night. And then, and then I'll see him in the comments section. It's like, this is what the guy said last night. They're like, bro, I don't even agree with all the things you're saying, but you are, you're dropping some truth tonight. I like this dude. Like they don't even know who I am. They don't know I'm a preacher. They don't know what I do, but I'm sitting here talking and, and with passion and anointing, telling you what I believe and people that don't even know who I am. I don't agree with everything you're saying, but bro, I, I like this dude. I like you're dropping some truth, man. It's like, Okay, the reason you stayed around, the reason that you're still in the comments section, the reason that the reason that you're still watching when you were just scrolling through your feed is because you feel what I'm saying to you. And the reason you feel it is because I've got an anointing and I've got a fire in my belly to say what the Lord's given me to say. And people die without passion. You know, it, bl it blows my mind. <laughs> it blows my mind. I'll, I'm going to show you Jesus himself. Go to Matthew 7 and listen to uh, verse 28 and 29. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority, 
and not as their scribes. You see that? The people even knew. Man, our scribes are boring to listen to. The Pharisees are boring to listen to. The Sadducees are boring to listen to. They don't have authority. They don't have passion. They don't have anointing. But now I listen to this Jesus, and it's it's blowing my mind. This man is preaching and teaching as somebody who's got authority. He's nothing like the scribes or Pharisees. He's different. Something about this man. You notice? Something about this man is different. It's Matthew 7, 28 and 29. Look at, you go to, if, you, if you were to go to Matthew chapter 8, I'll go one, one over. When they go out on the storm and, they, and he calms the storm. And the Bible says, Matthew chapter 8 and uh, verse 26. And Jesus said to them, why are you so afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea and there was a great calm. And they said, what kind of a man is this? that even the winds and the waves obey him. What kind of a man is this? I mean, when, when he walked with them, think about this. When he walked with them back on, on the, the road to Emmaus and they didn't know who he was, what were they saying? What did they say after they recognized who he was? They said, didn't our hearts burn within us while he was teaching us? Didn't our hearts? That's when they recognized that, oh, that was Christ the whole time. That was Jesus, and we should have known because while he was talking, didn't you feel your heart burning within you while he was talking? What was happening? That same anointing, that same fire, that same passion was jumping off of him and getting into them. That's the kind of man he was. He was a man of authority. He was a man of fire. He was a man of passion. He wasn't boring. He wasn't walking around barely living with his eyes half open. You ever seen these super spiritual people? They blow my mind. You ever catch a super spiritual person? They're always walking like they're looking through the veil of some spiritual, you know, uh, universe that they've made up in their mind in their mom's basement. Oh, amen. It's like, are you high or like, what's your problem? Do you just do mushrooms or what's, what's going on? Why are people weird? People get weird when they're just, and they're trying to be super spiritual. Oh, amen, amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, dude, just open your eyes and be a normal person and carry the fire of the Holy Ghost. Stop being weird. You don't have to be weird to be anointed. <laughs> Put that in the comment section for anybody that may be watching. You, and if you haven't shared this yet, take a minute to share it because people need to hear it. Put it in the comment. You don't have to be weird to be anointed. You don't have to be weird to be anointed. And there's tons of weird nut jobs out there. Well, what is that about, Terry? I, I wish I knew. I wish I knew what's going on with these people. Oh, hallelujah. Yes, amen. You don't have to be weird to be anointed. Just be anointed. Have some fire in your belly. Why does somebody have to study for 50 hours? Why does someone have to put 50 hours of study and time into a message to have something to say for 40 minutes on a Sunday morning? Listen to this. Even, <laughs> even, even if you only spent 40 hours preparing your message, that means, because I mean, the average preacher is not going to preach longer than 40 minutes in, on, in this nation. But even if that was the truth, think about this. That means they spent an hour of study and preparation 
for every one minute that they spoke from the platform. An hour for every minute? I'm just telling you, that better be a masterpiece of a message. If you're preparing yourself, and I'm talking about prayer, you should pray, (laughs) and you should pray for hours. But if you're studying and preparing and writing notes and doing research for 40 hours every week to preach a 40-minute message, you might be in the wrong profession. (laughs) You might be in the wrong profession. I'm just telling you. You should have something in your heart that burns. You should be able to flow in the Holy Ghost. You should be able to move into what God's called you to do. It shouldn't have to be laborious for you as a minister or even a Christian to stand up and to give what God has on the inside of you and do it with fire and with power. It's true. It's why people do download messages. I just don't know what, I don't know what else to talk about today. What should I talk about? What should I say? Like if you are, if you are, if you're a minister of the gospel and you're sitting around wondering what in the world that you should be talking about, it is time for you to either repent or get back into some serious times of prayer and fasting. If you're sitting around, I'm just kind of in a drought right now. I'm just, I just don't know what to say. I just don't know what to talk about. I've got 66 books full of stuff for you to talk about. You know what the, you know, let me tell you what the real problem is. The real problem is in our culture, we've been put in position that we feel like we have to have the next greatest revelation that no one's ever heard of before. It has to blow everyone's mind before we can release it from the pulpit. It has to be this mind blowing revelation that, you know, you got those people that sit, sit in your churches that, I mean, it's, it's almost like pastors preach for the M's. Do you know what I mean by that? Pastors preach for the M's. Preachers preach for the M's. That's what they want to hear the whole time they're preaching. Mm, 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 mm. Preachers preaching for the M's. It happens all over America. That's like, if that, if you are driven by that as a preacher, (laughs) if you're driven by that as a preacher, sometimes we have to lay down our right to be right. Mm, That hit me right in the spiritual feel goods. It's like, what in the world? You're preaching for the M's? Is that what's going on? That you don't feel fulfilled unless everybody in your congregation sounds like they just ate an ice cream sandwich? (laughs) Mm. (laughs) It's like, what is going on? It might not even be. Did you ever consider the fact that it might not even be that you're that good of a preacher, but people in your congregation just have ulcers? People in, people in your people in your congregation might have ulcers. <laughs> your preacher, <laughs> maybe they have hemorrhoids. We don't know what's going on. Don't preach for the M's. Why is every everybody's preaching for a sound? Everybody's preaching for a shout. Everybody's preaching. For, why don't you preach it? Because God gave it to you. Why don't you preach it? Because he downloaded it into your spirit to deliver to the people. The people didn't call me. God called me. I'm called to the people, not from or by the people. 
It's like, mm. it's like blows my mind. It blows my mind. And people are like, oh, I, now I feel my preach coming on now. Hallelujah. Can I get a couple of more M's? Mm, ooh, mm, ah, ee, ooh, ah. Why is there always got, I, I'm all for shouting. I'm all for dancing. I'm all for running. I'm as Pentecostal as they get. Spitting, bunking, jumping, shouting, running, whatever. I'm all for it. Let the power of God move. But let me tell you something. Preachers, they have to have it. You know what showed me? I'll tell you what showed me that a lot of people have to have a crowd responding to them for them to do anything. Because I watched a bunch of people jump onto live stream during quarantine when they couldn't preach to a crowd. And I watched them preach to a camera and they were awkward, extremely awkward. Couldn't flow, couldn't get their word out, couldn't do it, thrown off by people in the comments section. They, they didn't know what to do. I could tell you is that they were so focused on the response of the crowd that, that they couldn't even preach without a crowd in front of their face. If you're preaching for the response of men versus the praise of God and his approval. You've got massive problems, massive problems. If you need somebody to shout for you to preach well and for the anointing to flow in your little service, this is why I'm actually very, very happy that I spent early years of my ministry preaching in New England. In New England, where literally... (laughs) If people respond, then the rapture is ready to take place. Canada and New England. And I thank God for New England and Canada. But I wasn't having to depend. One thing I've noticed is that anybody that learned to preach in the South that then goes to New England to preach, it's a different world, my friends. (laughs) Anybody from New England, throw some hands in the comment section. I am happy I learned to preach in New England. Because I didn't have to depend on the response of people. It, you know, it wasn't, you, you learn, to, you start to realize it's not about an organist playing behind you, which I love. It's not about having 30 seconds of shouting between each one liner that you preach. You better actually have some substance. <laughs> you better actually have a word from the Lord. It's time to get the fire of God back in our bellies again and run with the fire of the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 4. Yeah, Terry said, we're a little quieter up north. I Listen, I was born in Providence, Rhode Island and spent a lot of my early years of life in New England. And I understand it completely. Acts chapter four says that the same thing that got on Jesus is the same thing that got onto the disciples. Same thing, same thing. And they got called in and in Acts chapter four, I want you to see this. Because this is one of the things that truly I, I always want to be said about me. And you should always want it to be said about you. Acts chapter 4, they literally, Peter and John, addressed the council and addressed them in such a way. I mean, they probably thought these guys are going to be intimidated when we bring them in. And they were not They were not intimidated. They spoke with boldness and they spoke with such boldness. Look at this. I'll start with verse 11, Acts 4, 11. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone 
and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now look at verse 13. I love this. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived, I love this, that they were uneducated and common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. One of the things that puts you in this category where you literally understand what I'm talking about and see this operate in your life and ministry is that you have been with Jesus. You have been with Jesus. The people that do not have it are those that have refused to be with Jesus. I, I'll give you an example. I, I can tell the difference, and I'm sure you can as well. When you've got a team on the platform uh, leading praise and worship, and it's to them, it's like making sure they get the performance right and nail the notes and nail the chords and nail the backing tracks and all that stuff. And they do everything they can to make the performance great. And you say, man, that sounded really good, but you don't feel a strong anointing on it. And then you've probably been in a service before where the person that was on the platform, they were making mistakes. Not every note was on key, but you felt the anointing of God on the worship. So now you can see the difference. It's not that we shouldn't strive for excellence because we should. He's worthy of the best. He's worthy of the best of our ability and our gifting. We should excel in our gifts and our abilities. But you start to realize what's more important, a great performance or having the anointing of God. It's having the anointing of God. There's preachers I've sat in their meetings. They're not the best. They're, they're not the best uh, uh, orators. They don't, they'll misuse words out of context. They'll, you know, all kinds, they'll, they'll use wrong words. They'll use sentences that are grammatically incorrect, but you feel the fire of God on the preaching and in the ministry, because it's not just that they've put together a great package and performance for you, the listener, they have been with Jesus. They've been with Jesus. And there's a difference between packaging a great performance and giving it to those that are watching and being with Jesus in your prayer closet in fasting and worship and in praise and in study so that when you get to people, you actually have something to give them out of the spirit. Put it in the comments. I can't give someone something that I don't have. <laughs> I mean, put it in the comments. I can't give someone something that I don't have. I can't give you an impartation if I don't have an impartation. I can't transfer the power of God to you if I don't have the power of God. Doesn't work. I can't give what I don't have. I cannot give what I don't have. And there's a lot of people trying to give what they don't have. And they want, I don't know why there's no power. You're trying to do something that you can't do. You've got to be with Jesus. Jesus had to be with his father. Notice there were times Jesus, the Bible says that he would get up early before the dawn to pray. He would have to get up before the dawn to pray. Why? Because the Bible says he could say nothing Unless he heard the father say it, he could do nothing unless he saw the father do it. So watch this. Anytime, if, if Jesus ever got to the place 
where he stopped hearing the father talk or he stopped seeing the father act, he becomes paralyzed. He can't speak. He can't move because he has no direction because he doesn't do anything in and of himself. He does what his father says, completely obedient. So what does he do? He gets up early before the dawn to pray and be in the presence of his father because Jesus knew that as soon as the sun comes up, as soon as things open, people are coming to find me. Crowds will gather around me. They'll reach in to touch me. And if I don't have anything to give them, then I am worthless to them. You see that? If I don't have anything to give them, I am worthless to them. And you know that he was doing that because if you read in Mark chapter 5, the Bible says that when the woman with the issue of blood pressed through the crowd and touched the hem of his garment, Jesus didn't even know she was there. He didn't lay hands on her. It wasn't a prayer line. It wasn't a healing convention. She pressed through the crowd and touched him. And he knew she did because he turned around and said, who touched me? How did he know that somebody touched him by faith? Because he said, I felt virtue, substance go out of my body. You know what that means? He had a substance in him that could be drawn out of him. And you've got to replenish that substance through prayer and sometimes fasting and through the reading of God's word, the study of God's word, through praise and worship. And you, as you do, you're refilling your ability to minister to others. And so he said, I felt virtue go out of my body. Jesus didn't just have virtue. He was refilling his virtue. So that's not true, brother. Let me tell you, once you get it, you've always got it. And there's no, let me tell you something. You can keep building it. You can keep building it. Let me show you something. Your flesh fights against it. Your flesh fights against it. Your flesh fights against it. You know why so many people don't have a fire in their belly and they don't have anything to say and they don't have anything to do is because their flesh has fought against the fire of God and they've yielded to their flesh instead of yielding to the Holy Ghost. And so they've let their flesh control. And if they've let their flesh control, they're walking by the flesh. And so they'll not walk in the spirit or have the things of the spirit. They'll be carnally minded, no spiritual good to anybody. They've got no virtue. You've got no virtue. You've got no virtue. And so you look at this, Matthew 26, 41, after he found his disciples sleeping, 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 he wakes them up again and look at Matthew 26, 41. He said, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak. You see that? The flesh is weak. So there's a, I taught you this last night, Galatians 5, 17. The flesh is warring with your spirit man. And if you don't prioritize the spirit man and pull in some virtue from heaven, you know what'll happen? Is that you'll not have anything to get. You can only give what you've got. 
And listen, if you don't have anything and you keep trying to give, now you got to start giving out of your flesh and that'll eat away at you. Stress will come. You'll burn yourself out. And I've seen even people have mental breakdowns and nervous breakdowns because they've pulled on their flesh till they don't have anything left to give. And it has nothing to do with the Holy Ghost. They're operating in the flesh. I've watched people that have tried to keep operating in the Holy Ghost without any kind of a connection to Christ or the Holy Spirit in dedication. And it goes from being the Holy Ghost to a familiar spirit later on in life. I got to get, I got to prophesy. I got to give a word. Well, you haven't even prayed. You've not fasted. You've not lived holy. You've not done anything the Lord's asked you to do. And you keep trying to draw on a substance that you don't have. But let me tell you, the devil will be there to help you get into the supernatural and he'll let a familiar spirit start talking to you. And I watched one guy get up and give a New Year's Eve prophecy for the upcoming year. And by the time he was done, somebody on the internet found that he had said the exact same thing that a witch, a well-known witch online had said word for word. So you tell me, do you think the Holy Ghost, I mean, they printed the transcripts, man. What do you think that the witch, the open practicing witch was led by the Holy Spirit to prophesy the upcoming year? Or do you think the man who had not taken care of himself or stayed in the anointing had now been given over to a familiar spirit and started saying things that were not of the Holy Ghost? but of a familiar spirit. And now he, as a preacher, is saying what a witch is saying. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And if you don't stay connected to the vine of Christ, if you don't stay connected in the Holy Ghost, if you don't pull virtue from heaven and have something to give people that come to you, you'll start pulling out of the flesh and the devil will accommodate you. And if you want to be all spiritual without the Holy Ghost, there is a spirit you can pull on and it's not the Holy Spirit. And there's people all through the nation and other nations that are walking around with no fire in their belly, walking around with no anointing, no passion. It's like they've it's like they've given up, given up on being full of power, given up on being used by God. So this only happened a couple of years ago, Ruth. They've it's like people have given up. I look into the eyes of some people, even ministers. It's like, bro, you have, you've hung it up. You're phoning it in. And if you think I'm being harsh, I'm not. And I'm not calling anybody's names because I want you to hear it as a warning. I look at people, they're phoning it in. I mean, I look into their eyes. I stand next to them, not carrying any anointing. I look in their eyes, they're half dead. Good to see you. How are things going for you? It's like, bro. Catch back on fire again. What has happened to you? You know, 50's not old. 60's not old. People have been tricked into this thought that they have to retire from the power of God. You have to retire. If you're a preacher, you've got a calling that's on your life. You don't retire from a calling. You can retire from a career. You don't retire from a calling. Well, brother, you know, I'll tell you something. There's an anointing on your life. People have been tricked into hanging it up. 
People have been tricked into phoning it in. Don't get into the rut of as long as there's just enough coming in for me to pay my bills and do what I'm supposed to do and get a, a nice vacation at least once a year. I'm just going to kind of put it on cruise control and just keep doing it. Push. Push for greater. Push for what God has for you in your life. Push for your purpose. Push for this generation. Push for the lost and dying. Push for the broken. Push for the hurting. Don't hang it up. How is it that we've got entrepreneurs in America that are building and working 90 hours a week in their 50s to build a home-based business and make all kinds of money. And you got preachers and Christians in their 50s and 60s. Well, you know, brother, I just don't know. I feel tired. Well, quit feeling tired and wake up, shake yourself, get into the Holy Ghost, catch some fire again. Let me tell you something. If you're not on fire, get around people that are on fire. One thing that'll help you, this will very much help you. Stop hanging out with dead people. Stop hanging out with dead people. Listen to me. If I went to the morgue and just said, you know what? This is going to be my surroundings. These are going to be my people. And if I just did everything that the people in the morgue did, talking about the bodies, not the workers, I would would very quickly become like them. What are they doing? I want to do what they're doing. Oh, they're laying down on a slab. Let me lay down on a slab. You know what? I'll only eat when they eat. I'll only take a drink when they take a drink. I'll only breathe when they breathe. (laughs) You keep doing that. You keep laying on the slab. You keep eating only when they eat. You keep drinking only when they drink. You keep breathing only when they breathe and watch how long you stay alive. You will become who you hang around and who you surround yourself with. I've got no time to hang around with dead people that aren't interested in the move of the Holy Ghost and the power of God to shake a generation. I want to surround myself with those that are on fire. And here's the thing. If you've got something that's gone out, all you got to do is bring it back over by the fire again and let it light back up again. And the flame that's burning hot will catch your stick on fire too. And if you feel like it blows my mind, you got preachers that, that are that, and I understand that preachers go through stress, pastors go through things. There's all kinds of stuff that we got to deal with in the ministry, but you got people that isolate themselves and die. They isolate themselves and lose the fire. They isolate themselves and they and they get in full of stress and they're ready to quit and they're full of uh, all kinds of depression and anxiety and panic attacks and all this stuff and they got to get counseling. When If you would just take time, why would you not at least twice a year go somewhere where the fire of God is moving? It's not like there's nowhere to go. There's places to go. Where people are on fire, where you can catch an impartation, catch an anointing, get refreshed in the Holy Ghost. My father holds four camp meetings a year. So whether you want winter, spring, summer, or fall, you cannot, you have four that you can choose from. Dr. Rodney Howard Brown does four. There's people that are doing things that you need to, if you're a minister or a Christian, you need to stop your Christian work and go and receive impartation refreshing and get some fire again. Get back around the burning fire and catch a fresh impartation. There's something to be said for it. We need to do it. 
The reason that people burn out, the reason that people lose their fire is because they get so surrounded by people that are dead. They get so surrounded that people got their life in cruise control and people are going through not doing anything, no purpose, no drive, no vision, and they become like those people. It's easy, you know, (laughs) it's easy if like you're in a place where nobody's doing anything and then you're doing the bare minimum it still looks like you're doing more than everyone around you. But in reality, you're doing next to nothing. I said this before, I'll say it again. Don't ever compare backwards. Compare forward. Put it in the comments section. Don't compare backward, compare forward. I don't ever want to compare. And You know, I understand that the Bible says comparing yourselves among yourselves, you're unwise, but that's a fleshly comparison. That's a fleshly comparison because Paul very clearly and inspired by the Holy Spirit said, follow me or imitate me as I imitate Christ. Well, you couldn't do that if you weren't comparing your life to Paul's. You recognize that, don't you? You couldn't do that. You couldn't imitate him if you weren't comparing what you were doing to what he was doing. So I'm not talking about a fleshly comparison. Why don't I have what he has? Why don't I live where he lives? Why don't I drive what he drives? I'm not talking about fleshly comparison. I'm talking about comparing what God's called you to do with those in front of you that have already done it at a higher and a greater and more successful level and say, what do I need to do to get where they've gotten and do what they've done? Don't compare backward. That's a waste of time. Losers do that. Compare forward. Find somebody, like Paul said, compare your life to mine. As I follow Christ, follow me. You know what Paul said under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost? He said, I want you to pray in tongues. I pray in tongues more than all of you. That was a comparison. That was Paul showing. I'm not telling you these things. I'm not giving these corrections because I don't value tongues and interpretation. I pray in tongues more than all of you do. But in the church in an assembly. See, he was still showing them, do what I do, work like I work, live like I live, pray like I pray, preach like I preach, minister like I minister. You can't do that if there's no way to make a comparison in the spirit. Don't compare backwards, compare forward. Find people that are crushing it. Find people that are on fire and surround yourself with people that that care about what God's doing. Why would I get around people that make fun of the Holy Ghost or the move of the Spirit? Why would I get around people that don't care about what's going on in the kingdom of God? Why would I get around people that are always inwardly focused and focused on themselves and how that I want to focus on what God's called me to do and I want to be able to see in front of my face a picture of what it looks like to be successful at doing it. I want to find somebody that's 30 years older than me that's still on fire 30 years later, still producing 30 years later. And I want to get around those people. I want them to lay their hands on me. I want to hear what they have to say. I want to receive that impartation. And I want to follow suit. I want to sit back and do nothing. I want to follow suit. I don't want to sit back and do nothing. I want to follow suit. I want to be able to stay on fire. And so do you. Stay on. We're getting ready to say bye-bye to a lot of people that have lost the fire. 
They're falling off the side of the map. We're not going to hear from them. Sadly, it's Bible prophecy, by the way. I'm not being a negative Nelly. <laughs> it's Bible prophecy. In the last days, there'll be people that fall away. The hearts of many will grow cold. Bible teaches it. You can't fall away from something you were never a part of in the first place. And it's what's going to happen. But I'm not going to be moved by those that don't want it. I'm going to be moved by people that do want it. And I'm going to follow them as they follow Christ. I'm believing God, like apparently Winona is, that Canada and America shall be saved in the mighty name of Jesus. Canada and America, Europe, I'm praying this generation will be changed and touched by the fire of God. And I'm asking the Lord to use me to do it as well. I'm asking the Lord to use you to do it as well to see this generation changed. I want you to bow your head. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm praying for the people of God tonight. and I'm asking you to put a fresh fire of the Holy Ghost in their belly. I ask you, Lord, to sever relationships of people that the enemy sent into their life to steal their joy, to steal their anointing, to steal their fire, to steal the move of God in their spirit and in their family. And I pray that those chains would be cut, attached to their life, people that will bring them higher and not drag them lower. Let us clearly see, Lord, those that are doing it at a greater level with a fire and a fervor that we can also walk in. Don't let us lose this anointing. Don't let us stop pressing in. Don't let us miss out on your presence. Use us mightily, Lord, for your glory. In Jesus' wonderful name, use us mightily for your glory. This is our month of accelerated testimonies. June is our month of accelerated testimonies in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We will hold them in our hand. We will see the goodness of God by the power of the Holy Ghost as a proof that Jesus is doing what he said he would do. It's our year of violent increase. It's our year of expedited favor. We're in the flow of the Holy Ghost in 2020. And this will be the greatest, greatest, greatest year that we've ever seen compared to any other year that's been behind us in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We thank you for it. We give you praise for it in Jesus' wonderful name. We know that the best days are ahead in Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name, if you believe it, somebody throw that same fire into the comment section in the emoji format and let me know you believe it and that it's already done and you're standing with me and declaring, this is my year to be blessed. This is my year to be blessed. Put it, fire in the comment section. Let me know that you receive it in Jesus' name. Receive it in Jesus' name by the power of God. It's our time. It's our season to be blessed. Hallelujah. Love you, Draven. Brian Wright's in the house. Cassidy and JC, I love you. It's done in Jesus' name. We're catching on fire like never before. Andy Shaw, love you, buddy. We're catching on fire like never before. And by the way, Andy, if you're still on, give my love to the entire Shaw family. Everybody. Everybody, Ashley, Barb, Tanya, Deborah, it's your year. Fire of God's moving. Hallelujah. That's right, Terry. It's my year to be blessed. This is our month of accelerated testimonies. We will hold them in our hands. 
That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Listen to me. Yeah, Jacob, come see me in Cannonsburg. All the information's on the website anywhere we're going to be. I'm going to be in New York this coming weekend, Saturday and Sunday. If you can get there, get the information. It's on the website, miracleword.com. Join me if you can join me. It's going to be powerful. I'm ready to preach again. I'm ready to roll. And I know God's going to touch us. Let me encourage you. For those that are watching, I believe that Andy. Amen. There's my friend, Derek Hale. Love you. Grew up with him. It's been a friend of mine since we were young, very young. Played basketball together on the mean streets of Ida May, West Virginia. <laughs> Listen, we're get, I'm telling you, this is the best year that we've ever had. It's a year of expansion. I've got some testimonies to give you in the upcoming weeks that are going to be so mind-blowing. You're going to rejoice. I'm going to rejoice. God's moving. Let me encourage those of you that are watching to partner with Carolyn and I as we're touching this generation before it's too late. It's time. It's time to say enough is enough. Nothing changes without the hearts of men being changed. You can protest all you want. You can riot all you want. You can have social justice. You can change the laws. You can come, develop a new framework. You can create new punishments. You can do whatever you want. But nothing changes until the hearts of men change. You cannot legislate, legislate love. You cannot change people outside of the power of God. But when the heart of a man changes, the life of a man changes. And when you partner with this ministry, when you're sowing into this ministry, let me explain to you what's happening. That you're standing with us. We're calling it the victory tribe. That's who we are. And God's using us together. But what takes place is that we're standing together to see a generation of people changed before it's too late. Jesus, let me tell you something. The gospel is a limited time offer. The message about Jesus is a limited time offer. Jesus is coming back soon, and I am not laying back, throwing my life into cruise control, spending weeks at the lake while people are on their way to hell. Jesus is coming, and it's time to press in. Faith. Sow a seed by faith tonight and watch what God will do. Watch what God will do. You can always use hashtag donate in the comments if you're on Facebook or Twitter, Periscope. Cash app is available. Uh, Venmo, PayPal. Easiest way to do it is to go to miracleword.com and partner with us right there on the website. Wherever you are anywhere in the world, wherever you are in the world, we have partners from everywhere in the world. It's amazing. You can easily do it on the website, standing with us. There's people that have said, how can I increase? How can I increase my partnership? Send an email to Jenna at MiracleWord.com and we'll help you to go higher in your giving. In fact, we're developing something for you right now where you'll be able to have your own profile and manage it yourself and log in and be able to do all that stuff yourself without having to contact anybody. It's going to be great. I'm looking forward to that. Thank you, Draven. Love you, buddy. That's right, cash, check, stolen credit card, platinum, gold, silver, lands, properties, stocks, bonds, whatever you want to do, cryptocurrencies. I only The only thing I don't take is disobedient children because that's not an offering. Hallelujah. Heavenly, love you. I appreciate you guys, and I, I consider you family. We're here together every single day, many times twice a day. 
But I'm believing this is the victory tribe. And we're, we're, we're declaring that daily. It's going to be our year of miracles. Let me show you a couple of shirts that we put out for your kids, by the way. If you didn't see these yet, dropping some of these fresh shirts for the kids. Rivaling the Vans Corporation, Sun. Got some sick shirts for the kids. Um, by the way, all these currently available at MiracleWord.com. Shop.MiracleWord.com. Some of the greatest stuff we've ever put out. These are the best shirts we've ever released. And they're available right now while supplies last. Not only that, got tumblers for the kids as well. And let me just make one more announcement. The Nonstop Mom mugs are limited edition. Once these are sell out, this third order sells out, no more will be available. None will be available. Um, Terry said, what's the name on Cash App? It's MW Give. MW Give. And thank you. I believe it, Norman. Norman said, United, we can turn the world upside down in Jesus' name. I totally believe it. I absolutely believe it. I stand, I'm standing with you on that. And that's what we're seeking to do, is to touch a generation before Jesus comes and before it's too late. Listen, I also wanted to say to you, uh, if you didn't get a chance to do this, the brand new magazine magazine's about to ship, Miracle Word Quarterly. I love this. Best one we've ever put out. This one's called The Best Is Yet to Come. It's the summer edition. And um, if you've not signed up to be a part of this family, go to miracleword.com forward slash live, fill out the form. We'll get you one absolutely free. If you're in another country, we'll send you a digital edition that you'll love. Um, where is Lucy? Kirsten said, where's Lucy? I want to see Lucy, the most beautiful picture. Did I t I, hopefully it didn't come off. Where is it? Come on. Lucy. We didn't lose Lucy, did we? I'm not sure. I'm looking for Lucy. It's the most beautiful picture. Sweet girl. I don't know where she went. I thought she was still on here, but apparently she's not. Sorry about it. <laughs> By the way, thanks, Brian. Love you, buddy. By the way, if you guys if you guys didn't hear, winner of Mustache May, good old Mike Lavalley crushing that handlebar mustache up in Massachusetts. Look at that. Can't beat that bad boy. How about this one? Bill Berardi grew it out to the sides. How about that? He said, I'm not, I'm not stopping with the normal mustache. We'll grow out, down, and out again. Nailing it. Look at this one. Ashley Carter crushing it with the mustache. <laughs> crushing it with the mustache. But our favorite, our winner, Mike Lavalley. Look at that thing. That, mess, that mustache should have its own Instagram account. Should have its own social media presence. Should have its own followers. Mike, you got to start an Instagram account that's just called Mike's Mustache. Let it speak out for itself. <laughs> Let it say what it wants to say, Mike. Mike's our winner for Mustache May, by the way. I had to shave mine off because it looked horrible. I looked like a child predator with a windowless van handing out candy in a kindergarten parking lot. Unfortunately, I can't grow great facial hair. Unlike my friend Derek Hale that was on a minute ago, whose beard, he looks like a mountain man. It's a serious beard. 
My other friend, Steve Criado, that uh, I grew up with also, he's got a mountain man beard. That blessing never hit me. I don't know what happened. But if you can grow that mountain man beard, God bless you. God bless you. <laughs> I appreciate you guys sewing. MiracleWord.com, easiest and quickest way to sow seed. I really love and appreciate every single person that's been partnering with us. I appreciate all of you guys. You're like family to us. We pray for you. We stand in faith with you, believing for increase for you and your family. And um, can't wait. Can't wait to see what God's going to do in the rest of this year. And it's going to be phenomenal. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.